Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Um, it's difficult to know where to start this particular podcast because in some ways it's been a difficult enough week for Arsenal. Obviously, we beat Bournemouth last weekend, but midweek has not been so great on the pitch and off the pitch for reasons that you all know uh, and that we'll touch on between now and the end of the show. But when you put it in the context of what's happened elsewhere this week, the tragic events in Colombia, the plane crash which cost the lives of so many of the team from Brazil, Chapecoense, uh, the backroom staff, the management, media, journalists, the crew on the plane. It sort of puts it in, I guess, some kind of perspective. It's so unspeakably sad and tragic uh, to witness or be witness to such a, a loss of life. I think we can all immediately frame it within our own context of if it's Arsenal or if it's some other club, um, you know, you, we watch a team that travels all around Europe, that travels everywhere across the world to play football. And it's, um, uh, I, I don't really know what else to say about it other than it's it's just horrible and it goes without saying, of course, that every sympathy goes to friends and the families and everybody associated w- with that football club and uh, to most people in Brazilian football who will be profoundly shocked and grief-stricken by what's happened. Not all of them. The head of the uh, Brazilian FA has insisted that Chapecoense play their last game and uh, feel their youth team. I mean, it's it's beyond words. Uh, Tim Stillman, who uh, who's, uh, I guess, are, as well as being a great columnist on this side, a Brazilian football guru uh, for, for various reasons, uh, says that this guy is just a despicable character. And imagine, imagine saying after an incident like that, that the team had to fulfill its last game, just play youth players. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. Uh, and I suppose while most of us will look at it and think that this is a, a just a dreadful thing to have happened, I guess it's also exposed us to some of the people who, who use things like this. Um, I don't know if you saw, um, you might have, you might not have, but it's worth looking at. Uh, it's difficult to, to watch, but Arsenal posted a, a video on their Twitter account of, of Gabriel Paulista talking about what had happened. I assume this is because he wanted to speak about it because it was something that affected him very personally. Uh, he used to work with the the coach of uh, Chapaquense. He was his coach at Vitoria. A lot of the backroom staff he knew as well, and two of the players were, were friends of his. And uh, he gives a very eloquent, I think, and under the circumstances, of course, and uh, emotional speech to camera talking about what had happened and how it had affected him and how it will affect people, putting it in the context of uh, a loss that he has suffered himself uh, on top of this. And Gabriel played the other night in the EFL Cup game against Southampton. I know it wasn't much to write home about from an Arsenal point of view, but when you see this guy and how grief-stricken he is at what's happened... And what a good job he did. I know uh, Arsenal didn't play well, but I thought Gabriel, along with Rob Holding, was one of our best players on the night. The two centre-halves did very well. You've got to say that uh, it's it's incredibly uh, strong and professional from him 
to be able to go out and do that when he was obviously feeling so much emotion about what had happened. And then you look at that. You look at a guy who has a personal connection to this. He's lost ex-colleagues. He's lost friends. And you then look at some of the stuff that happened. And I wrote about it the other day on the blog. And I think it's worth repeating. Because there are people who look at things like this as ways for them to generate likes, favorites, and follows, and hits on their websites, ultimately as a way of generating revenue and generating money. And to me, it feels unconscionably wrong that they should do that. We see websites that troll any vague connection they can make to the story, another post, another post, another post, get some more likes, get some more follows. Look at all the ad clicks coming in because our website is chock-a-block with ads. Not only do they do that, there are some of them out there who simply make things up. They invent stories to try and tap into the, the sympathy, the empathy that people would have to a tragic event like this. And they're using it basically... They're using the deaths of other people to try and boost their social media following. It's just grotesque and absolutely, it's outrageous, really. Because what's the worst thing about it is it's sort of becoming the norm. People retweet things and they uh, share them on Facebook without thinking about them. And I know there's a whole fake news thing going on that uh, it's to a different, speaks to a different thing entirely. But, you know, it's part of the same culture that people see something and they share it or they like it or retweet it without really thinking about it. And people have got to start thinking about it. They really must start thinking about what it is that they share. Is it accurate? Is it true? Is it, even if it is, is it respectful for me to share this? Benchwarmers, a site run here out of Ireland, invented a story saying Cristiano Ronaldo has decided to donate 3 million euros to Chapaquense and families of the players who died. Hashtag respect. Hashtag respect. Go fuck yourselves with your hashtag respect. If you had any respect at all, You wouldn't simply invent that. Then they came on and said, oh, sorry, this is just according to reports. We don't have any confirmation yet. We hope it's true and we apologize if we've upset anybody. No, you don't. You got like 5,000 likes and 5,000 retweets, which would lead you to get more followers. And then when there was a little bit of a backlash, what did they do? They deleted the tweets. Fucking cowards on top of it all. The Sport Bible did exactly the same. Running a story about how PSG were going to donate 40 million euros. It's just nonsense. And it's wrong on pretty much every level you can think of. The people use these terrible events to to profit. I know that's human nature. There's always going to be cunts out there who are willing to do that, who are willing to take advantage of other people's misery. But the rest of us, right, the rest of us can actually do something about that. Think a little about what it is that you're retweeting. Look at who it is that you're following. Are you following an account that is posting that kind of stuff? If you are, don't. Stop. Unfollow.
because they don't deserve it? Are you a regular reader of a website that has taken 10 or 12 piffling, trifling, trivial stories about the plane crash, none of which contained any any information or any detail or any legitimate news, but they trawled the web and they found pictures of Argentinian players on the same plane and they thought, oh, look, we'll put that up. Isn't that something? Who cares? Who cares who was on the plane before? So when you see somebody like Gabriel, who's really suffering, really feeling the loss of these people, and then you see all these fuckers who are trying to cream it in off the back of just an absolute tragedy. It really kind of, it drives me mad. It drives me fucking mad. So all I can do is talk about it, and all I can do is express what I feel about it, and maybe highlight something that maybe people don't realize what's going on. They just think it's, well, this is normal. And that's another problem, that all of a sudden this sort of thing is becoming normal. The line between what is tragedy and what is content, because we're all so hungry for content and the newspapers and websites are all so hungry for content, that these lines have become very much blurred. And they're blurred to the point where people are, they just expect it now. And I don't think it should be that normal. Maybe that's just me. And you're, of course, free to do what you want and read what you want and follow who you want. But I would just say, think about it and think about what their motives are. And if those motives don't sit right with you, then there's a very easy and effective way for you to make a stand and make a point against it by not sharing, by not retweeting, by not liking. Further, by unfollowing, by not reading, by not visiting. So you don't give them the traffic. You don't give them the traffic that enables them to profit off the, the deaths of other people. And of course, there's, a, there's room for legitimate news and legitimate stories and uh, ad-supported content is important. And Arsblog is one of those websites that is ad-supported, as are many good news sites. But there's got to be a standard. There's got to be, there's got to be a line that you don't cross at times like this. And there are far too many of them out there who cross that line time and time again. So, it's just, drives me mad that that people just think so little of what's happened and the effect that it has on other people, people who are actually affected by it, that they think it's okay to make money from it. So anyway... There you go. Sorry, I had to had to say something there. And uh, I realized, that, yeah, that's a little bit heavy. But there you go. Look, it is, it's one of those weeks. So we're going to talk um, about Arsenal, of course. This podcast, it is an Arsenal podcast. We've had some football this week. We've had a win against Bournemouth. We've had a loss against Southampton. We've had some bad news about Santi Cazorla. Santi Cazorla requires surgery and is going to miss around three months because of his uh, ongoing Achilles problems, which is uh, bad news, um, you know, within our framework, within our context and perspective. That is that is bad news. So we're going to talk to uh, the man from East Lower in a little while to discuss all those um, bits and pieces, all those Arsenal things. I don't know uh, if you saw another thing this week that was going on, changing the mood completely here. I'm trying my very best to change the mood completely. That um, 
There was a video released in which uh, Harry Kane, he, uh, he urged people to get involved in the, the Tottenham Christmas spirit, the Christmas spirit of Tottenham. If you uh, go to YouTube, you can look at it. It's uh, Tottenham's Winter Celebrations. Harry Kane standing in front of a roaring fire wearing a really, really bad Christmas jumper. I know there's no such thing as a good Christmas jumper. No, not even if you wear it ironically. There is no such thing as a good Christmas jumper, but his one is particularly bad, and this is a bit of what he had to say. Tottenham's winter celebrations are kicking off on Tottenham's winter festival on the 3rd of December. It's happening on Tottenham Green between 12pm and 6pm. Don't miss the switching on of the Christmas tree lights at 5pm. It's also a small business Saturday. Sounds very, very, very exciting, doesn't it? The switching on of the Christmas lights on a small business Saturday. Woo! That is what Christmas is all about, folks. But, uh, you know, he's, he's, not the, he's not the guy you get to do a voiceover, is he? If you were looking to run a series of Christmas commercials, he's, he's definitely not the guy. I mean, you know, it just kind of sound ridiculous, right? Come on down to the Tottenham Christmas market this Christmas. There's going to be people there who have things and you can buy the things by giving them money. You give them the money and they give you the thing. Then you give it to someone as a what you call it. What's it called again? Oh yeah, a present. Yep, pretty much uh, ridiculous, all right. Certainly so ridiculous you wouldn't spend an afternoon making a number of those kind of ads. Most people wouldn't do that anyway. Look, let's get on with the show and let's uh, chat to our guest this week. Delighted to welcome, as ever, the man from East Lower. Hello there. Hi there. Um, A bit of a strange week in football, Jim. Uh, We can talk about Arsenal in a few minutes' time, but obviously what's happened in uh, Colombia and what's happened to the Brazilian football team, uh, Chapaquense, has... I think affected everybody who who loves the game and enjoys the game to see something like that unfold before our eyes has been been quite surreal and obviously very very emotional. Yeah, it really has and I've been following the story from you know slightly from afar I suppose and um not knowing an awful lot about the uh, the team and and that kind of thing. Mm. Um but but I guess it was you know seeing somebody who really was quite close to it in, in many respects Gabriel with his with his film on on the Arsenal website on on the Twitter feed too, um, and he really had to fight. You know, it was incredibly moving and eloquent the way he spoke, and he really had to fight back the tears. Um, and he, he suddenly kind of hits home that with every, you know, it's not just a, n- a number. Every 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 of those people is a story and, and has a family. And, and you know, when you look into it deeply, it's it's pretty it's a pretty horrible thing to think about. Mm. It puts uh, as well into context the performance that he put in the other night in the EFL Cup where he's obviously grieving quite quite severely and and very profoundly uh but was able to go out and put in a good performance on the night for you know on a night that wasn't necessarily a good night for Arsenal but individually I thought he acquitted himself very well yeah yeah absolutely and and um it it can't have been easy for him and I totally agree with you I think um I think he did pretty well in the circumstance, and it's funny, isn't it? We always we always consider footballers. We look at them as footballers alone, and and you know, oh, mm. he's, 
you know, it was a terrible tackle or he, he took his eye off the ball. And I, I guess, you know, it's too easy to sometimes realise that just like us, um, there's all sorts of emotions going on as well. And, and uh, you know, football is only one aspect and um, it sometimes pays to remember that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. They're people, you know, they might be distantly removed from us in terms of their salaries and everything else. But like at the end of the day, they are people. As, you know, some, some of them you don't want to necessarily look at in that way because it's, it sort of suits us uh, uh, for various reasons not to look at them in that way. But, you know, again, I think Abu Dhabi is a great example of that where people, they look at his paycheck and don't look at the person when, when he was going through those uh, injury problems and, and what have you for us. But you forget at the end of the day, there's a man there who's really struggling uh, because he can't play the, the game that he loves. Yeah, that's right. And, and um, you know, it, it, it's, it, I, you're absolutely right. The, the, the paycheck sort of obscures everything. I and mean, the reality is they're no different to, uh, to us. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, I think it's, it was hard for him, clearly very hard for him. And, and he's, he's done pretty well mm. um, and um, also finds himself in, in an interesting position that he's, he's likely to play a bit more too. So, um, you know, I, I hope I hope that it hasn't affected him too much. Yeah. You know, you can find sometimes when you're in those positions that, that football is a way, not necessarily of forgetting, but of, uh, I, I guess, trying to cope with it or being able to focus on something else for a period of time where, you know, you're sort of all caught up in whatever else is going on. You talk about it maybe being able to, to play a bit more um, we'll come to that in a moment because Arsene Wenger obviously has some decisions to make about his team for, for the game against West Ham. But we talk a little bit maybe about the EFL Cup game against Southampton. Uh, a pretty poor performance on the night from Arsenal. Not much to write home about on the pitch. And we go out of the competition for the second time in three seasons against Southampton. Um, what did you make of the team that he put out on the night, any complaints? Should it have been stronger? Or, you know, is he right, to, absolutely right to prioritise the, the weekend game against West Ham? No, I think it was about the right side, to be honest. We've got a very big squad now, or a decent-sized squad. And um, and there was a lot of experience in there. And I think the only regret, really, for him and for everybody was that we didn't really we didn't tur- we didn't play at all. And um, and that's the, re- you know, that's the kind of frustrating thing. I, I, I think... Um, the reality is that you know Wenger will not be judged by whether he wins this tournament, um, and he won't judge himself by it either. I think the the ultimate aim, which has been the aim for years now, is to get closer to the ones that the fans crave. And mm. the, you know this is it's easy to say in hindsight, and people could say, "Oh yeah, you're just saying that because you you lost two nil." But honestly, I, I I didn't really, I wasn't there. I didn't care massively about it. And and, he, and you know, and I think there are there are bigger fish to fry. And yes, it would be nice to win a trophy but by the same token uh, we won the FA Cup a couple of years ago twice so you know I think we've proved that that can happen again and, and I think that there are bigger games and bigger fish to fry and, and that's the reality of it and the, the biggest shame is that we just we, we weren't there mm, yeah I mean look if we win the EFL Cup all people are going to say is that well it's only the EFL Cup that's not that's not where our priority should be, or that's not the, the the trophy that we should be targeting. So as maybe as difficult as the Premier League and everything is going to be, or the Champions League, almost impossible as that's going to be. You know, you still have to try and give them your best shot and give them your best attention. And part of that is picking a team for the EFL Cup, which can a perhaps act as. Uh, uh, a chance for young players or fringe players to stake a claim, but also as a way of maintaining the freshness of of your squad when you've got, as you say, bigger fish to fry. 
Yeah, uh, and and um, you know, I, I think the mis- the mystery is why they didn't, you know, wh- why the performance was so mm. so timid, so timid really, and and you know, created so little. And in fact, which is weird because al- although we although we sort of loosened up a bit in the second half against Bournemouth, I, th- I think we've struggled with creating chances for a while now, and and it's hard to pinpoint why that should be because, you know, we have got a big strong squad. And uh, I think that's probably a, bit, a little bit of a worry that the creative spark is, is just not there at the moment. Could it be that we're missing someone to, I don't know, tie the midfield together? Someone like a, a small, slightly round Spaniard, <laughs> perhaps? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, yes, of course we miss him. He's a brilliant little player. And, and, um, and you know, his attitude is just fantastic. He's phenomenal. But... But the fact is, we, we are well stocked with midfielders and um, you'd have thought that, uh, you know, he was injured for a pretty long period last year. He's not he's not a spring chicken. Um, uh, you know, sorry to go back to your favourite topic of chickens, mm, but chickens. he's not a spring chicken. <laughs> and, um, and, and you know, we've got lots of midfielders. And so the reality is... Uh, yeah, we, we 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 clearly miss him more than we ought to. But is is that the only factor? Do you know, I'm pretty sure we discussed this exact same thing last year because mm. there are some really weird parallels in a way, aren't there? That you know, he's out for a period of time, and Welbeck's been out similarly and is about to come back. It's very odd. Yeah. Let's hope the season doesn't completely repeat itself. No, absolutely, way. absolutely. Um, but I mean, it, it is something that he's he's going to have to contend with, and obviously the news that we got yesterday that Santi is going to have to undergo surgery. He's going to miss around three months, and it sounds like one of those injuries where if it's just three months, we can be pretty happy with with how it's turned out. Uh, he has struggled though, hasn't he, Arsene Wenger? He has struggled to find a way to make the team as cohesive as it can be when Cazorla is in the team. Now, that's not to say that Santi Cazorla coming back is the the panacea to all our problems. It's not as if we've never played badly when Santi Cazorla's been in the team. But the balance in midfield has been an ongoing issue for the last, I don't know, six weeks, perhaps. Yeah, Definitely, and and yeah, he is a massively underrated player. Um, Cazorla is one of those ones. I mean, everyone knows he's good, but he never sort of comes out in the sort of you know, in the in those sort of season polls where they say, "Oh, who's the player of the season?" And and uh, he he is a phenomenal footballer, um, and he really is the glue for the midfield. And you're right, because you know the fact is, um, we've we've played, we've got a lot of midfielders, and we've played, we've pretty much played them all in the central midfield at various points, and. Um, I suppose that tells you all you need to know that we're not quite. You know, Wenger is not quite there in which which is the best duo in his absence, and and it is a tricky one. And maybe half the problem is he's not sticking to the same ones. Maybe we need to do that. Have yourselves a merry little Christmas this Christmas at the Tottenham Christmas Fair. It is full of festive cheer. Bring the kids down. And they can meet Satan. I mean Santa. Wait, doesn't Santa play for Arsenal? What's he doing at Tottenham Christmas Fair? Do you think that somewhere on the the south coast of England, there's a young man called Jack (laughs) sitting there now going, maybe maybe I should have stayed? No, I don't. I think it was the right decision at the time. I I, I was sort of scratching my head about it, but but you know he he wouldn't have. He might have now, uh, but he wouldn't have played that much. And what he really needed more than anything else was to play a long stretch of games. He just didn't have that in his tank, and and he was 
I don't think going to get that at Arsenal. Um, now, obviously, it is funny, isn't it? Because when, when you know, at the time, I, I think I, I texted you and said, "Well, we see Jack in an, mm. in an Arsenal shirt again," and it, and it felt like it might, you know, it might be not. But obviously, time is it has an amazing habit of <laughs> of changing the scenario, and uh, he now looks like um, that he's playing he's playing pretty well for Bournemouth now, and um, and yeah, it, we miss his create, creativity. We've got a lot of very good. Um, not hod carriers, I think that's a, I think that's a bit harsh. But we've got a lot of very good ball winners and and distributors, but not really that many creative sparks in the absence of um, of Jack. But yeah, you know, it's, it's easy to say. And I, I, what what I would say is, I think Jack. I think it's been a great move for Jack. I think I, I really really hope that uh, at the end of this season, he's had a good season and that and the, and that we can get him back. But. Um, you know, anything could change between now and the, in the next couple of months, couldn't it, really? Yeah, of course. But I mean, this, you know, when he left, this was exactly the sort of scenario that I had pictured him being able to take advantage of. You know, people, he was playing. He wasn't necessarily getting into the first team straight away, but he was just back off an injury. He was being eased into action very sensibly by, by Arsene Wenger. He was making substitute appearances. And we know that at Arsenal Football Club, injuries are just part and parcel of the season, as they are with, with lots of other football clubs, it's yeah, got to be I, said. I, but, I, you know, I really thought that if it was a case that he wasn't getting enough football by January, then by all means say, look, this is not working for me, I, you know, for the sake of my career, uh, not just personally, but perhaps for the sake of my Arsenal career, it would be good for me to go and get six months away. I, I, I thought he was really premature, and I still think he was premature, even if things are going relatively well for him at Bournemouth right now, I, I'm I, I'm not sure I agree. To be honest, I, I think I think I look at it now and I think what he needed more than anything else was to play day in or not day in day out clearly week in week out. And I think yes, he was being eased back in little bits, dribs and drabs. And I, I think he had dribs and drabs for the last two or three seasons, and he he, he mm. needed more than that. You know, you could see for England in the summer that he, he just wasn't anything like match fit. And, and I think he needed he needed to get his body back into that rhythm. And he wasn't going to get that. And it's it's easy to say now he'd have got the games, but if he, it, you could also argue that if he was coming in now, he'd have only had a few sub-appearances here and there up until December, and he would be, he'd be sort of, you know, not ready again. But, well, maybe, but look, it's been clear that the midfield hasn't necessarily been working for the last six weeks. He could have, you know, uh, since Cazorla's been out uh, in October, you know, he could have weeks and weeks of football under his belt. At this point, so you know, I, I I respectfully disagree with you on this one, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's it's easy to look back in, is it, and and, yeah. and think and think it would be better that way. But I, I think it I think it has turned out to be a pretty good move for him, and probably much needed, um, and uh, and maybe a bit of a you know a, a way for him to refresh himself as well. Not that we're in the business of of um, you know of helping other teams out, but we sure. do we we do want to see him back. Um, to something like the kind of player he was, let's be honest, four years ago. Mm. Yeah, well, fair enough. Okay, well, look, we won't fall out over it. No, no, let's no, not do that. Let's no, not do that. Be, yeah, no. Especially on a podcast in public, that would be, that would be quite embarrassing, ridiculous. actually, yeah. Well, look, um, what, about, uh, what about Aaron Ramsey? Is Arsenal a round hole and is Aaron Ramsey a square peg? Um... No, I don't think so. I just, I, I think, no, I don't think so. You, you, the trouble with him is, again, we, you look, you look at the season when he was phenomenal, two, which is two years ago, mm. and, and he really was phenomenal. He was everywhere. He was scoring goals, fantastic goals. He really was directing the play, and and that's gone again. And and I don't know. 
why that is, what what the reason for that is, because he was fantastic for for Wales as well in the summer, uh, in in the European Championships, and um, I don't th- I don't know what it is with him. I find it I find it a bit weird. I think I think on the one hand he he does a little bit more than people appreciate, um, although perhaps not against Southampton, but. <laughs> Yeah, he, I think there is something that's not quite what it was, and um, I don't know what that is. It, it's weird, but I don't think he's a I don't think he's a square peg in a round hole. I think he he uh, when he's playing well, he's a f- phenomenal player. But you know, I don't know what's going on. He's mm. certainly not. You play him on the right. He's not. It's not his best position. Sure. And you give him one game in the middle or two, and then you and you write and you and you write him off. Not you, one. One. Write him off, and 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 mm. I think you know. I think maybe again, it's a bit harsh. Again, I mean, could there be a case to be made for the fact that, you know, he hasn't played a huge amount of football so far this season. He's only made, what, nine appearances? That's for club and country, it has to be said. So he's only made nine appearances this season. You know, he did have a lengthy spell out injured from the 14th of August to the 29th of October. Uh, still maybe trying to find his way back to match fitness, match sharpness, not necessarily always being played in his best position, Uh, hasn't really found the partner that he gels with um, within this Arsenal midfield. So, you know, there are some mitigating circumstances, but he does, he really does seem to be um, someone who divides opinion, bit of a lightning rod at this moment. Yeah, I mean, reading reading between the lines, are you suggesting we need to send him on loan to Bournemouth? (laughs) Yeah, Ramsey and Jack for Bournemouth. We'll see how that works and then take them both back next (laughs) season. I forgot, I I mean, I forgot you're right. He was out for a hell of a long time. And, you know, we we are quick to judge. And and, and I think you're out for that long and then you come in and it's a bit bitty. Then, you know, what do you expect? I think he needs to find his way back in. Um, So, yeah, I'm not too worried about it at the moment. but, But certainly... Where he plays is 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 another matter, isn't it? Mm. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I, I don't think he's a. I, I don't think his days are massively. It's not a lost cause for you, no. Not for me, unless he wants to move on himself. And I think he did say that once that he'd like to go and do some of his career somewhere else. Which you know, you know let's yeah. cross cross that bridge when we come. To sure, it. but if you want to go and do your career somewhere good, you you've got to you've got to make people sit up and take notice a bit. Whereas at the moment, you know. He's, he's, he's not going to be attracting the attention of the big names based on the way he's playing at the moment. So a lot of that is incumbent on him to, to find some form again. So, you know, maybe there's, there's the motivation. Um, you, you spoke about Gabriel at the start and said that perhaps he might be somebody who could play a bit more. I assume you were talking about right back. I was, and uh, I was at the Bournemouth game, and, and he came on, when he came on um, for the extremely unfortunate Debussy, I thought he did pretty well, to be honest. He was strong in the tackle. He was getting forward, and you know he was aggressive in in, in a good way. And um, I I think uh, I think he's probably done enough to 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 be picked at right back on on the weekend. Mm. It's a, it's a tricky one for Arsene Wenger, isn't it? Because he's obviously Hector Bellerin is so important and so good. Uh, Debussy, obviously the next best right back at the club, and Carl Jenkinson is a young man. Again, somebody who's just coming back from a fairly lengthy injury. He he strikes me as maybe somebody who carries a bit of self-doubt, Carl Jenkinson. Um, For whatever reason, you might want to speculate on that. It feels like he, he, if he's confident and if he, if things are going well around him, then a, okay. But if not, then he, he, he probably gets a little bit introspective about his place in the side. I think we saw a bit of that on 
Wednesday against Bournemouth, he, he did look indecisive. He looked a bit a bit lost at times, and he, he has looked a little bit lost. Um, do you think there's any way that, that Arsene Wenger could play him against West Ham, or is it a case that, look, we really have to take you out of the firing line now because otherwise it could get it could get uglier. I think he might play him, uh, but only if Gabriel is not in a in a good way. You know, is is, is has been has been affected. Um, but I, I don't think so. I, I think you're right. I mean, maybe what the, maybe maybe you know that you always wonder, don't you, what the difference between a good footballer and a very good footballer is? And often it's in the head, and it's something that's quite hard to pin down. And I think with him, maybe it it is a, it is a psychological thing because he's physically he's pretty good. He can put a good cross in, and he works hard. But yeah, you're right. Maybe it's just that. That confidence that he just doesn't have that some footballers have, and um, and I think he is he is quite affected by it. I, will he play? Oh, I I don't think he'll play on Sunday. No, I'm not saying that he won't play again for us because I think that's not true. But um, mm. but you know I I think I think probably not. That would be my gut feeling. Yeah, and and in terms of the options that he has available to him, obviously Gabriel is the guy who got the nod uh, against Bournemouth. Um, Rob Holding has played there as well. I mean, to me, there's there's always a fundamental problem when you're playing a relatively tall fullback genre or centre half at fullback. You know, you need to be a bit more mobile as a fullback than you do as a centre half. There's a lot more, a lot more running involved. There's a lot more twisting and turning, um, and, and centre halves aren't necessarily the most mobile players on the pitch generally speaking. Uh, <laughs> some people have suggested that perhaps uh, Francis Coquelin, who's played at right back and at left back for us uh, in the past, might be a reasonable fit. Uh, or do you think he'll just go with a sort of a true defender and and uh, and stick with Gabriel? I, I just feel that he put... I, I, yeah, I, I just feel that, you know, he, he put he put him there against Bournemouth and um, and he did a pretty good job. And, and Wenger often sort of rewards that I, I just feel it'll be him but you could be you could be right ultimately we don't have the specialist available who's in good form that we need it's a, it, it becomes a bit of a complicated equation um but yeah I, I think I think it could be Gabriel I mean we just, I would I would play Gabriel I think Coquelin is better in the middle mm. all right well we'll we'll see it's a big decision I think for him to make and obviously midfield is a, a an area that he's got to to try and get right as well but here we are we're in December this Christmas why not give the gift of animals to your family a gift voucher for the Tottenham Zoo come and see all the wondrous creatures on offer like lions just like Tottenham players, we're Lions, and also Sea Lions. They are the Lions of the Sea. Wouldn't they drown, though? We've come through November relatively well, or relatively not badly. I don't know which, to be perfectly honest. I mean, we the only game we lost was the EFL Cup game. We remained unbeaten in the Premier League, um, perhaps a draw or two too many along the way. Uh, How have you viewed the season so far and and the position that we're in? Decent start, um, but if I'm being glass half empty, you know, I think we're we're slightly in danger of death by a thousand cuts where things aren't going badly, but bit by bit, if you keep drawing and 
and you, and you lose that bit of that creativity, you start edging slightly behind the pack. But I think I'm just being a bit miserable about that. Well, I, I think we've had a good, a decent start to the season. I think November was actually quite good given the performances. But we do really, really need to find a bit of swagger and a bit of this, um, yeah, just a bit of swagger really and, and a bit of ruthlessness. And it's the kind of thing that we've missed at times for many years now. Mm. And, um, you know, we, we, we're quite, we, we're clearly a bit harder to beat than we were last season, which is very promising. But, um, but there are other teams that could motor away if we, if we don't find a bit of that form. And, and um, that would be my worry if I was being a miserable sod, which I mostly am. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Does it feel to you a bit like uh, our games are, like they're sort of more even than they should be, even when we're winning. And even if we've won a bit convincingly, it feels like the opposition are a bit more in the games. I don't know if that's something that's modern in, in terms of football now, that the equalization of talent means that games are a bit more even than they used to be. But there, there was a time where we could go out and we could completely and utterly boss a game from almost yeah. start to finish. It feels like a while since we've, since we've done that. And, and the other week um, when we did the, the live Rs cast, um, uh, I think Amy was talking about the confidence that you get from a fuck-off win. You know, when you beat someone like Chelsea or if, if we'd gone to Old Trafford and beaten Manchester United at Old Trafford, that's a big fuck-off win. You draw so much confidence from that. But I think as well, you can draw confidence from your performances and the way that, the way that you play. It feels to me like, like if we could put in one or two of those performances where we just sort of hold the opposition at arm's length and, you know, they'd say Arsenal played in second gear. They could always go up a gear or two and, and get the goal if they needed them. You know, convincing wins from that point of view, I think, would be really beneficial to this team. Well, you, yeah, you say that, but we have had a fuck-off win this season. We we absolutely murdered Chelsea at home, and then we played extremely well against Basel sure. the next game, and then it all it, it didn't quite carry through. And last year, we had the same thing. We had Man United at home with exactly the same thing, and... and Hmm. I, 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 you know, I do agree, but uh, t- to a degree. But at the same time, we have had a few massive wins, and and it's sort of slightly petered out as well. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's certainly. I don't know. It's, that goes back to that thing that we've wondered about for again quite a few years: is whether we're, f- you know, whether we are as ruthless and feared as we used to be. And and I don't think we are. I'm not saying we're not a good team or even a you know a team that can go far. But I don't think. You know, we get we step out on the pitch and anyone's kind of quivering in their boots. Yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't really feel that way with this team. Yeah, I mean, is that true of anybody really in the Premier League though anymore? Maybe you're right, maybe not. But um, but yeah, it it, it does. We often play our play ourselves into you know, <laughs> in, into a good win, but uh, with, without the swagger that that would be nice to have. Mm. But we have had a few fantastic results, but you know, they don't tend to be followed by many that are in the same mould put it that way even yeah. though we've had a good season we've lost once on the opening day in the league for God's sake so I'm probably being a bit too miserable here but but there is something that's not quite there Alright well look let's hope we find it in the uh, in the coming weeks obviously the schedule gets a bit hectic as we we head towards the festive period but uh, you know if we can come through that and get points on the board uh, who knows and look sure we will uh, we will chat uh, again probably not this year but next year hopefully if there is still a world that we live in <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's being a miserable sod here now but uh, yeah we'll, we'll chat then the it's, man from East Lower go on it's it's, it's Cazorla that's the, what's really tipped you over well, this it's is not it. Trump it's not Brexit it's Cazorla yeah 
Oh, poor Santi. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, thank you very much as ever. No worries. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much indeed to the man from East Lower. You can find him on Twitter at East Lower or from time to time he dusts the cobwebs off his blog and writes something that you should read over on eastlower.co.uk. That is eastlower.co.uk. It is the Tottenham Latin Salsa Christmas Extravaganza. Come on down and experience all that South America has to offer with special guests from Argentina, Eric Romero, Romero Lara, Eric Romero, Eric Romero. So it's uh, Premier League action at the weekend as we face West Ham United, the Hammers, the Westies, the the United Hammer Westies. That's what we used to call them around our place. Never really caught on, it has to be said. It's um, It's been a difficult game for us there. Was it last season? Was it 3-3? I think it was something ridiculous. Andy Carroll scored seven headers, even though they only scored three goals. It felt like seven headers, so you know what I'm talking about. I'm just going back to look at it here. And it seems that Andy Carroll could well be in contention for a return to action after, I don't know, how long out injured. He's been out for, for quite some time. Just doing a checking it here, West Ham. Yeah, we beat them 2-0 at home. Yeah, West Ham 3, Arsenal 3. Oh, my God. Andy Carroll scored a hat-trick that day. Andy Carroll scored a hat-trick. I mean, seriously. What was going on? Central defenders, come on, chaps. You gotta, you know, you gotta sort that guy out. I know he's big, I know he's strong, I know he's good in the air, but you know, he's he's also Andy Carroll. But it seems he could be back just in time for West Ham, which is good for West Ham, not necessarily so good for us, but perhaps a good uh, a good test for Shkodran Mustafi and Lauren Cassiani, who are bound to return to the uh, to the centre of defence. Other decisions the manager has to make, of course, is what to do in midfield. What's he going to do? What will what will he do? In what way will he decide to to do it? These are the big questions. This is why he gets paid all that money, because he has to make those decisions about what to do. I talked a bit about this with uh, the man from East Lower, of course. <sighs> How do you replace a Sandy Cazorla? How do you replace a Hector Bellerin? I don't know. Those are difficult things to do, but those are the decisions that that he's going to have to make. And of course, then next week, I think, yeah, next week we've got a Champions League action uh, where we can seal second place in our group or indeed we can... um, We can top the group depending on what Ludogorets do against PSG. I don't think they're going to do very much. I mean... Try the old reverse jinx here and say, no, there's there's literally no way they're going to get anything. But, you know, there is literally no way that they're going to get anything from that group which would allow us to finish top and hopefully then get an easier draw in the second round or in the first knockout round. What am I talking about second round? Uh, so that's that's what's to come. And we have a squad that's maybe just beginning to get a little bit stretched uh, Olivier Giroud might not be in contention for the weekend's game, uh, given he had a bit of a groin strain when he came on against Bournemouth. Obviously, Matthew Debushi is out of action. Bellerin's out of action. Cazorla. 
just having a moment's silence there of my own for, for Sandy Cazorla. But, you know, following up that EFL game against Southampton, it's really important that we get ourselves back to, to winning ways. Uh, the unbeaten run has come to an end, there's no question, but we're still unbeaten in the Premier League since the opening day of the season. And West Ham, as difficult as they have been, have not been all that this season. They haven't been great. It's got to be said. So surely there's an opportunity there for us to uh, to go there. And if we play pretty well, play something approaching as, as well as we can, then we can really cause them some problems. Maybe they're having some uh, issues settling into a new home. Uh, I remember it happening to us. When we moved into the Emirates Stadium, it all felt weird and strange and different for, for quite some time. It took a while to get used to that. So maybe that's something we can take advantage of. And if Andy Carroll does play, you know, here's what we do. Don't let them cross the ball. You know, close them down. You know, press them. Don't allow them the space to cross. And if they do get the crosses in, you know, mark him really well and stuff. And be strong and jump really, really high, higher than he can. I don't know if anyone has thought of that before, but it might just work. That's all I'm saying. It's a 5.30 kickoff on a Saturday evening, which is, I don't know, I really don't like that kickoff, I have to say. It's annoying because it sort of impinges on the rest of your, your Saturday night in a way. But it is what it is. We gotta, you know, just get on with it, and hopefully, we can take uh, we can take the three points. So I don't really know what else to say this week, other than thanks as ever for listening. Glad to have you along. Glad to be in your ears, metaphorically and uh, hourly speaking, of course. Uh, myself and James will be here on Monday. We'll have an Arscast Extra for you, looking back on everything that happened over the weekend, and of course, looking ahead to the Champions League game against Basel on. Choose Tuesday? Pretty sure it's Tuesday. It must be true. Is it Tuesday? Uh, yes. Come on. I was right about something for once. It's Tuesday. So we're traveling to, uh, to Basel and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, things will go our way that night too. And then the following weekend, what have we got next weekend? I think it's, um, yeah, it's Stoke at home. Pfft. Yay. Something to look forward to there anyway. But look, let's hope we can go into that game on the back of two wins because that would make everything feel okay. I think uh, a good win would help us get over the uh, the difficulties of the EFL Cup and, of course, the, the sad news about Sandy Cazorla. So let's keep fingers crossed we can do that. So, uh, as ever, thank you for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Why not give your family a travel voucher for this Christmas? With the Tottenham Travel Club, you can go to far-flung destinations like Monaco, Leverkusen, or even Newcastle. And we've got special discount offers on our trips to the Northeast. 
start queuing now, cause the sale begins at 5 to 1. Oh.